0: Welcome to The Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast delivering you the insight, ideas and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to The Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks and I am your host, I'm a change and transformation specialist, a coach, a consultant, here to help retailers define their ideal operating model and deliver the changes and transformations so that they become more profitable and more relevant. Thank you for tuning in. This one is episode 176, number 176. Omnichannel, a big word, an important word, but also often used in a vague way. And it's really interesting. One of the questions that I often get asked, but I don't really have a great answer for, is what is the best example of omni-channel retail? Or who is the benchmark, who is leading in omni-channel retail? And I don't have a great answer because there is no one best example that perfectly captures omni-channel. There is no one Omnichannel benchmark company within the whole retail industry. Because when you break down Omnichannel into smaller parts, I don't think anyone has all of this stitched up into one ultimate solution yet. And I'm willing to be challenged on that. So do feel free to reach out if you think you have got the perfect example of Omnichannel retail. I would love to hear from you drop me an email, oliver.banks at obandco.uk. But despite saying that, I do think it is possible for you to start to understand how you and your organisation can be the best omnichannel retailer out there. Like I say, today's episode is number 176, so the show notes today you can find at obandco.uk slash 176. That's www.obandco.uk slash 176. And do remember to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing for free whilst you are over at those show notes and make sure that you keep your finger firmly on the pulse of the ever-evolving world of retail. Now, Omnichannel, as you know, is still a huge trend within the retail industry. And the reason it is still a trend is it's not so much a thing that can be done, but more an attitude, a mindset, a way of thinking, a way of approaching different challenges. I'd argue you cannot complete Omnichannel. It's an ongoing evolution that evolves just as quickly as the wider market evolves, and all of these different channels are shifting and changing. Right beneath our feet, actually. It's quite an exciting time when you think about it. Like that. You know, omnichannel is a recognition of blending the channels and the different mediums in our multi channel, multi medium world that we now happen to live in. Many, but not all, are enabled by the evolution of digital tools and technology. So, I hinted a little earlier that when you break down omnichannel into smaller pieces, no one has this all stitched up just yet. So, what are the different pieces? of Omnichannel. I've got five key components of becoming the best Omnichannel retailer that I wanted to share with you today. And I suggest you consider all of these different components. And of course, you need to also think about how do you stitch all of these together? There's no point having each one in an isolated silo, if you will, without then truly blending that across the the full journey. So what are the five components that I wanted to share with you today? Well number 1, the customer. The customer sits at the heart of all of this and that's what's important as you start to think in a more omni-channel way. Number 2 is around shopping, discovery, browsing and buying. Number 3 is around fulfillment and stock movement including returns. Number 4 is around service and experience, both before and after the sale. And number five, which is perhaps the biggest untapped component of Omnichannel Retail, community. So we'll be diving into each of those in turn. But just before we do, I just think it's important to recognise that when we're talking about Omnichannel and Omnichannel Retail, we all love to get into these conversations about complex solutions and advanced use cases. But actually, there are often so many opportunities to get the basics right first. And to illustrate that, I thought I'd tell you a real life story, a shopping story from my own experience with a retailer that categorizes themselves as an advanced omnichannel retailer. This is one of their core competencies that they lead with as they're going out for investment. So this should be pretty tight, right? I walk into the store, physical store, to buy a product. And the particular product that I want to buy is quite big, quite bulky. So they have a showroom type model. Given they don't have a infinitely sized store, they have a proportion of the range in store to view, to try, but no stock. So instead they encourage you to buy online and get shipped to store or to home. Absolutely great. Looks fantastic. I then went to look at the accessories for the product, and they've got a promotion on, which is great, because I want to get an accessory as well. 20% off when you buy one of these products at the same time. Great, that's fantastic. But to qualify for the promotion, you have to buy the product in store, but they don't sell the product in store, you have to buy it online. OK, that's a bit frustrating and it's so much so that the promotion is basically not actually available in that particular store, at least. So I go to the website and I'm assuming, knowing that they are an advanced omnichannel retailer, that they'll have the same offer there, too. But I'm disappointed. They don't have the same promotion there. They don't actually have any promotion there. So that's a bit frustrating. It feels like I'm going to be cheated. But good news here. That exact accessory online is priced lower than in store great, and actually it's priced so much lower that it was cheaper than with the twenty percent off winner and I don't need to bundle it either it's a bit frustrating that it's so disjointed, and certainly if I just bought that promotion in store, I'd feel really frustrated, but having got out my phone to investigate the website and work out what's going on, I decide I may as well have a quick google and about 10 seconds later, I'm looking at the exact same product, once again, in another store, another retailer, for a whole decent chunk cheaper now. And of course, there's no need to bundle it all together, right? And I'm left thinking, why wasn't the proposition, the the, the promotion, omni-channel? And why weren't the different channels even working in the same way? Why is online cheaper than in-store? And this is all from a retailer that Classifies themselves, publicizes themselves as a leading omnichannel retailer. So you can see there are some real basics there that are just not right. And I won't even begin to tell you the story of buying the main product, getting it shipped to store, and getting all the notifications that it was ready to collect on the same day, which really delighted me. So much so that I decided I'm just going to call and double check. To which point I found out that the product hadn't been shipped to store yet. It was a ghosted notification, and I couldn't have got it then. So what's going on there? (laughs) But that's a whole nother story. So why am I telling you this? Well, there are a series of table stakes, fundamentals, basics to get right in the world of Omnichannel. Consistent pricing, consistent promotions access to a similar range, and I accept that you can show a much bigger range online, but they shouldn't be significantly different. There should be a good representation in store, right? At least for the target market in that geographic area. You've got to be doing BOPIS, buy online, pick up in store, or click and collect. You've got to be able to do omni-channel returns, allowing me to return an online purchase in store. This is the going in position for omni-channel retail in 2022. And I do encourage you to test and challenge your own operation, your own organisation. Are these basics in place? Because there's no point looking at all the big sexy technologies (laughs) to to begin to really excel in this area. If you don't have, like I say, those fundamentals in place, it's clear it's easy to shop from a customer's perspective. So a few minutes ago, I labelled out the five key components to becoming the best omni-channel retailer. Let's dive into them. The first one was the customer. Key to sit at the heart of your omni-channel attitude and mindset. And I think this is probably the biggest change that you can make, is to put the customer truly at the heart of your thinking. It avoids the confusion and the misalignment. And that needs to be across your entire organisation, in trading teams, in marketing teams, in product teams, category teams, operational teams. Everyone needs to think about the customer, needs to think about what omnichannel means. One of the big components of customer to help that is to have a single view of the customer in terms of your data. So all of the different teams around the business can access and work off that same individual customer perspective and database. But you don't have to have a single view of the customer. It just makes it a whole lot easier. If you have multiple views of the customer, you're going to need to be extra diligent in thinking how you're going to integrate the different data sources, how you are going to connect the different experiences, transferring data from database to database, etc. And data agility is going to be really key here. But you don't need to have a single view of the customer. But like I say, it just does make it a whole lot easier. And that single view of the customer, or whatever data collection you have, can then be used for marketing and insight and across all of the different teams. Now, when you're starting to think about who is the best here, it's really difficult, actually, to see how these setups are. They are fundamental to the system architecture, fundamental to the organisation's trade secret, in a way, in terms of how they operate. But what I would encourage you to do is look at those companies that are behaving in omnichannel ways. And there are lots of great examples across many different categories. Companies like Curry's or Charlotte Tilbury or Tesco. Look at those that have a strong omnichannel proposition. And then ask yourself if you were truly omnichannel, what would you need to change in your current ways of working? and collaborations, and decision-making to enable that, to become, like I say, truly Omnichannel. Have a think about it. The second component I spoke about was shopping, everything from discovery through browsing, and to ultimately the buying point as well. And the big thing with Omnichannel here, I would say, is about recognising customers. We spoke just a moment ago about having one view of the customer, and actually... To be omnichannel when it comes to shopping, you've got to think about how you're going to recognize customers in all of the different locations, in all of your different channels. Now, if you're looking purely at e-commerce, this is quite easy because customers have an account if they choose to open an account with you. But that is once they have already become a customer, there's nothing really up to that point, particularly as updated cookie laws come into action too. But as you look to the seams of Omnichannel, this gets harder. And by seams, I'm thinking, what are the different touch points between different channels? So between social media and your website, between social media and stores, between stores and your website, and all the other different channels that are relevant to your particular setup. And of course, in episode 126, I took a look at some of the complexities around Omnichannel and All of these different seams are a big complexity just because there are so many different ways that customers can bounce around your ecosystem. And you need to think, how am I going to enable that, right? How am I going to recognize customers shopping in one channel or one location when they move to another? If we were to rewind the clock a few years, you can realize that store loyalty cards were, in fact, an early guise of this very same challenge, to gather patterns around customer buying behaviour within stores and between shopping trips. And actually, if you rewind even further back in time, we still did this beforehand, right? It just so happened to be enabled by high-service touchpoints. The baker or the butcher or the greengrocer who knew their customers by sight, knew their names, knew their favourites, their usuals and knew their delivery addresses to make a local home delivery. All very sustainable, perhaps on a bike, right? (laughs) So recognising customers between channels to enable that omni-channel shopping, in many ways, is not a new challenge. But I think there are some fantastic examples of companies that are doing this really well. To pull out a few examples, like I say, I'll highlight LDC, the Lone Design Club who use QR codes in store to encourage people to shop around the clock and purposefully drive store traffic online and then with their fulfilment and service options back into store too. And what I particularly love about the Lone Design Club is they recognise that whilst the store is closed, there is still footfall going past and they use QR codes to encourage customers to engage rather than just letting that be a shut-up shop for over half of the day, right? Also, I will pull out the fantastic work that Furniture Village have done recently with regard to building an omni-channel basket, allowing customers to have a consultation as they are buying their next sofa or dining table with a colleague in store. Go home, consider it online, ask questions, continue to refine and customise their order over time, knowing that for that particular product category, it is not an impulse buy that you just make a snap decision, right? So that omnichannel basket is something that Furniture Village have done a great job of enabling. And actually, that was a conversation that I was talking about with Sarah Friswell, CEO of Red Ant, just a couple of episodes ago. So that was episode 173 called Designing Omnichannel Journeys. Also, You've got some fantastic work from the cosmetics world here. Mac Cosmetics have done a great job of doing AR colour sampling in store and then allowing you to add different colours to your account for reordering and replenishment. And as the world evolves, there are lots of new forms of digital shopping, like the Etsy house, which was covered in episode 155 called Reinventing Digital Shopping. And all of this is set to evolve as the metaverse comes into play more. And we think, how do we blend the metaverse with the real and tangible world? Let's move on. Number three was around fulfillment, which is perhaps the most tangible, the most obvious aspect when it comes to Omnichannel. You all know that Bopis and Click and Collect and Curbside Pickup were key shifts driven by the pandemic. And I think in many ways, that's been one of the plus points, as weird as it sounds, of the pandemic that so many companies have managed to make that transition. Very few retailers that operate in store and online don't have that collection proposition now. But again, it's interesting. When you rewind the clock like this, actually, IKEA have been doing this for years. It's just they happen to do it in the same building, right? Where you would look at the product in their showroom, decide what you want, and then you're not going to fulfill it until later on. Albeit with the potential disappointment that comes with finding that ideal product is actually out of stock in their warehouse. And other furniture and big purchases have also been doing this for a number of years. Buy now, in store, and get later on. But what I think is really interesting when it comes to this fulfillment part is how you combine Different shopping missions at that point of collection. I was fascinated by one of Target's newest trials where they are combining curbside pickup of an order with a returns drop off and with a Starbucks coffee as well. Yes, please, thank you very much. (laughs) What they're doing there is they're minimizing the touch points by combining these less important ones, less important for the customer at least. They're more transactional, right? No one gets excited about going into a store to return something, right? But by combining these less important transactions, you can have one conversation rather than three, which is much more convenient and productive for everyone involved. So I think it's going to be really fascinating how this fulfillment part of Omnichannel starts to evolve by combining touch points. The next component was around service and experience both before and after the sale. And again, the pandemic has driven a number of shifts in this particular component. Online consultations with store colleagues. Are they the future contact centre? Perhaps. Particularly as store colleagues are so familiar with the product and they are there live in a retail environment to be able to organise replacements or answer questions or give demonstrations or show how to do something. And using your store colleagues to answer and help online customers can be a great way to make the most of the hourly wages that are invested in the store teams. But equally, vice versa, are the contact center colleagues the future store associates? Because when you look out west to China and you see what they are doing with live streaming and with video chat, there are some really phenomenal things. You'll see whole halls of live streamers set up, all there with the products and all there with the technology to enable a great conversation. And also, those presenters are all there with the communication skills that work really well to go through that camera lens to the customer as well. So, Whether it's the contact centre colleagues becoming store associates or vice versa, it's a really fascinating time, and I think we need to start thinking about how can those two teams help each other out, because there are some fascinating things going on in this whole world. I'd like to pull out Curries, who were one of the first companies I saw doing a great job of this. It all kicked off pre-pandemic, which I think gave them a head start, but Curries have done a great job of enabling their store colleagues to help online customers. And as live streaming starts to become more important in the Western world, I'm excited about the omni-channel opportunities. And I'd pull you back to an episode from December 2019 called Your Store is the Stage, also pre-pandemic. But I think it's so exciting to think about how your store can engage customers that are acting across all of the different channels using that passion, that knowledge, that skill set that do reside within your store colleagues. And then the final component was community. The hardest part, I think, of becoming the best omni-channel retailer. Now, community means many different things. So let's just break this down into some different components. In e-commerce, community, you could classify as reviews, right? You are hearing from other customers whether they would recommend a particular product. And Amazon have done an interesting job here with their four-star stores, which ironically have just been stopped. But what they were trying to do was to bring online reviews to in-store customers. It's a bit like Waterstones, the bookstore, who also bring customer and colleague feedback and favourites and recommendations into the shopping trip. And what's interesting about reviews as we start to think about Omnichannel is customers want that. Content right there in store, for example. And what do they do instead? Well, they reach for the supercomputer that just happens to be sitting in their pocket to access that. So they find a way whether you like it or not, right? The other way customers communicate and share feedback is around social media, of course. And this has helped build both official and unofficial communities. But it is still hard to connect with others to truly form a community as. The population is just so massive, so broad. And just because one person follows a particular brand, it doesn't mean that they are truly passionate about that brand, right? So I think the big unlock when it comes to Omnichannel is how do you bring your local community together, centred around stores, so there is this common theme, but connecting virtually, digitally. It's also worthwhile recognising that community means different things based on the category. So, for some creative categories like music or art, customers truly love and feel the passion for that particular product and therefore that particular brand. But there are some more unloved, in air quotes, products, things like grocery, that people just don't get so passionate about a tin of beans or soup. So, instead, community there means something different, more fundamental. And it's thinking about what is the purpose? How does that tin of beans, (laughs) how does that enable you to achieve something else in life? And how do you build then a community around that? And you should also think that there is not just necessarily one community, but there may be many communities that are going to be divided by category or preference. So for example, if you had a music store, you could not just necessarily have one community of music lovers, because there are many different categories of music. And if you're into rap, you're probably not also into classical music, for example. So how do you build a relevant community? And I think as we venture more into the metaverse over the coming years, this is going to be a major, major opportunity to truly forge passionate brand communities that can have a conversation, that can help To fall in love with that brand more deeply. And here I'm thinking more broadly about the metaverse being a digital universe rather than necessarily only the stereotypical 3D VR digital world, right? And gaming has been a channel that has got some excellent examples of community building. But like I say, the challenge now is to bring this into a broader, more omni channel arena. So those are the five components that I believe. Will forge the best omnichannel retailer. And what should you do now? Well, you should understand your current capability across those five components customer, shopping, fulfillment, service, community. And think if you were the best example of omnichannel retail within any of those five components, what is it that you would need to change? in your world, in your ways of working, in your organisation, to truly bring this to life. And I challenge you to think about everything we've just been talking about and question yourself, what is it that would enable you to be the best omni-channel retailer? And of course, it would be an error of me not to say that to be the best omnichannel retailer, you should be listening to lots of episodes of the Retail Transformation Show. And we've touched on many different episodes as we've been talking through this episode. So I've got some references here for you. You can find all of these on the show notes at obandco.uk176. So additional episodes to listen to. Start with episode 126, called The Complexity of Omnichannel Retail, where I explode all of those different challenges and the extent of the different channels that exist within the world today spoiler it's not just online and in store right so episode 126 also check out episode 155 called reinventing digital shopping an interesting episode inspired by the etsy house as i mentioned earlier on also check out episode 173 called designing omnichannel journeys with Red Ant's Sarah Friswell. And finally, I'd like you to go way back into the archives, all the way to episode 30 and 31, to a pair of episodes called Winning at Omnichannel Retail, featuring Tim Mason, the former deputy CEO of Tesco, and one of the key architects of the Tesco Club card which is a nice tie-in about what I was talking about loyalty cards earlier on. So, some great listening there. And I do encourage you to head over to the show notes if you can't remember those episodes, obandco.uk 176. And sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing if you've not already done so. It's the weekly email newsletter to help keep your finger on the pulse of the ever-evolving world of retail featuring key retail transformation headlines from around the world, as well as insight and intel about how shopping is changing. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. I look forward, as always, to hearing your feedback. You can reach out to me, oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And I will very much look forward to joining you in another episode very, very soon. Bye for now.